Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. To kick this one off, we're going to talk a little bit about enclosures. This won't be a long one, but there's one question that keeps popping up, has popped up over the course of the years many, many times, and I think people become frustrated with me because I don't ever answer the question completely. I kind of, I think it probably comes across that I'm dodging it, but I really don't think there is an answer to it, and that is what is the best enclosure out there? I just think it's it's one of those things that you can't, you can't really answer it because there's no answer to it. It's all a matter of preference or what I think is it's all a matter of what's best for the spider. We've done a whole podcast on that or at least half a podcast on putting the spider first when you design your enclosures, when you use stuff for enclosures. We've talked in depth about the fact that it shouldn't come down to aesthetics. Aesthetics should never come first when you're setting up tarantulas. That's not to say you can't find a cage that's aesthetically pleasing and that covers all the bases as far as what the spider needs. I want to make that clear as well. You can certainly find some good stuff out there depending on the species that may cost more, may look nicer, whether it be glass, whether it be acrylic, that serves the purpose. It looks beautiful. It looks nice in your collection, on your shelf, in your living room, wherever it may be. But it also serves the spider by providing what the spider needs, whether it be cross ventilation, whether it be enough depth for substrate so that you can keep moist substrate in. And we've talked about this a lot. And this is why I find it kind of, it's one of those questions that I can't really answer because A, I'm constantly trying and looking for new types of enclosures to use with my tarantulas. I'm always on the lookout for the perfect enclosure. And what I found over years of experimenting, and I, I'd love to flash up a picture of my garage with all of the different things I've used. Some I've only used the, the one and done, some that you know I used for a while and then found something that I liked a little bit better. There are just so many things that can work. And what I found is some things are better for certain species than others. We always use Therophosa as an example that you know, I think that's the most difficult one to find a good enclosure for, as far as I'm concerned, because there's not a lot out there, at least on the cheaper end of the, uh, the expensive end of the spectrum, that will be suitable for a full-grown Therophosa species. That's where a lot of people, you know, I, I watched a video not that long ago where somebody had a big, clear, I think it was one of the Sterilite tubs, big, big one, I don't know how many gallons it was, and they had made a enclosure for their Therophosa species. The inside of it was beautiful. There was enough substrate that allowed depth to keep it moist from drying out. It was a big water dish. A big guy had a big height. I mean, he was beautifully decorated, but people came on. Why would you put such a, a lovely animal in a, in a terrible enclosure? I've had it happen with mine where I did an enclosure rehouse with one of my Therophosa species and people were complaining about why would I put such a pretty spider in an ugly enclosure. And I tried to explain this because the enclosures that I found that were expensive weren't appropriate for what I was looking for. That's what it comes down to, trying to make sure that my spider's safe. Yes, we do want to display them. We do want to put them out there in some pretty. And I do think that many of us get to a point in our collections where we start moving away from some of the Sterilite because we do have a beautiful collection that we want to display. However, you always want to put the spider first. So I think that's where it gets tricky because I just had one that I responded to and the guy came back and goes, you didn't answer my question. This is what got me thinking about doing this as a podcast. And the problem was, I just said there are a lot of good things out there that you can use. There are cheaper alternatives like the Sterilite boxes. There are more expensive ones like glass aquariums, like acrylic aquariums aquariums or uh, tanks, things you can use of that nature. They're going to cost you more money, but they're going to look prettier. And I said, it all should come down to what the spider needs. And apparently that answer wasn't what he was looking for. He wanted my top choice. I don't have one. I really don't. Right now I'm, you know, buying some of those magnetic enclosures, the ones with the lids that slide and lock with little magnets. I'm kind of enjoying them. They've got some, you know, some things I like about those. I've used so many, the, the 
I've used the Jamie's enclosures, which I like. I've used the Exoterra Nanos, the Exoterra larger ones. There's so many different things I've used. And what I found is some work for some spiders, some work for others. I'm still always on the lookout for something new. So for me to come up with a definitive and go, this is what Tom Moran thinks is the best enclosure, I can't. I can't do it. It depends on your price range. It depends on what species you're looking for. It depends on what size the species is. There are so many variables involved that I don't think I th- it would be irresponsible of me to try to go, this is the one. Because even I'm going through, even as I'm talking about this, the different types of enclosures in my mind that you could use. And I'll think about it and go, no, it won't work with this species or it's not appropriate for this. So I think with enclosures, it's it's important not to get hung up on what the perfect enclosure is. I know in my videos, when I do husbandry videos and such, I will put like examples of things I would use. That is not put up there. I don't put those up there as in, this is what you have to use. Copy me exactly. Not at all. I'm trying to give people, like sometimes when you throw dimensions out there, you go, oh, well, I use a you know, a six quart container that can be difficult for people that don't aren't able to envision sizes to picture. So they're looking at like what six quarts are people that use leaders. They're going, what is quarts? We don't even, we don't know what quarts are over here. So it's difficult sometimes when you throw stuff out there. So I like to give a visual and I put up some of the things that I've used successfully. They all have their pros and cons. Uh, One of the things I need to do and I've actually, I was taking notes for it earlier when I was preparing for this because I wasn't, this is more off the cuff. This isn't a big, you know, scripted out discussion of it, but just something that I hope that when people ask from now on, I can kind of point them to this podcast and go, this is why I don't offer up my top favorite choice. But one of the things I want to do, and we were going to do it here, but then we we're with the move planned, it's going to be so much easier to do with a much larger room so Billy and I can walk around with the camera, but go through all the different alternatives that you can use, starting from sling to juvenile to adult, all the things I've used with some pros and cons so people can just take that as a springboard and go all right you know what I like the I like those mainstay containers and and there's an example of something that I like using and I love using for a while and that I've started to shy away from a little bit because of some design issues the mainstay one gallon containers that they sell at Walmart these are obviously a U.S. thing but they're clear containers very crystal clear screw on top they are great for juvenile arboreals wonderful for juvenile arboreals except for when you have to get the spider out because what happens is the containers overall are more rectangular in shape but the top is circular so what it gives you is four corners up in the top of that enclosure so when you're trying to get tarantulas out of those enclosures into new ones they can get all scrunched up in one of those corners and make it very difficult for you to prod them out without kind of sticking your hand in the enclosure and putting you in harm's way and that's something that I haven't had any like I haven't had an issue obviously no attempted bites or anything like that but it has become a little annoying when I go to do rehousings and the spider ends up there and you're trying to like spray water at its back feet to try to get it to come the rest of the way out of the enclosure so there's one that like four years ago when I first put all these spiders three years ago when I first started using them and putting all the spiders in them and somebody said what's your favorite thing to use for juvenile arboreals I would have went oh by far the mainstay gallon one gallon enclosures they're awesome then I had to rehouse them and I had to rethink it and thought well there's a way these could have been better if the top of the enclosure the whole top came off it would be a little bit easier you know again for people that are just getting into the tarantula hobby that might have say a salmapias in there or a tapnikinias and they're trying to get out, that's going to cause some anxiety. That's going to cause some stress. That's going to make this a more stressful rehousing than it needs to be. So I try to make that clear now. And because of that, I'm on the lookout for something that's similar that doesn't have those edges. Now move on to, I found these cylindrical ones. I think they're about eight and a half inches tall and maybe four inches across, three and a half inches in diameter. 
they're again awesome for juveniles. They won't hold one that's quite as large as the one is the gallon mainstay will hold. But as far as moving like a larger, like I don't know, two inch juvenile out into a new enclosure these things work great the only issue i've had with them is because they are cylinders when you lay them down to go to get the spider out when you're again doing rehousings they roll however with those i figured out if you get some clay stole some of my son's clay and put it on either side of it it pins it so that it doesn't roll and you can get the spider out but again that was an issue off the bat for those that i would put spiders in them and it would come time to rehouse and i'd look at billy and go oh yeah that's right these things move around a lot so there's example of two things i would recommend for arboreals as far as boreal juveniles, I like them both, but know that there's some shortcomings. Are those the most perfect enclosures out there? I don't know. It's, I, I can't really say. I know some people like to keep their spiders in nice top-of-the-line enclosures, no matter what size. So slings, juveniles, they want them in something that looks acrylic or glass that looks nice, and that's totally cool. I don't do that because I figure they're going to spend a limited amount of time in those enclosures. So I try to get something that looks nice on the shelf, usually something that's stackable that takes up less room, especially with slings, not so much with juveniles. But you you want something that's going to be appropriate for the spider and that isn't going to be super pretty because how long are they really going to spend in those enclosures? Some people, that's worth it. They don't mind it. They don't mind going out and spending 30 bucks for an enclosure. It's going to be used for a year by their ju- for their juvenile. And I can't blame them. That's totally cool. But again, that person would probably look at a juvenile enclosure and go, I think the best one is this, I don't know, Herp Colt, I don't know what the sizes are, 4 by 4 by 8 snap shut top and everything crystal clear, and they might think that's the best enclosure for the for their money. Then they go over to me, and I'm like, here's this cheap you know, cylindrical plastic thing I use, or here's my Walmart jug that costs like $3. Who's to say who's right? One works for me, one works for them whatever works for you. So it's tough because I do think when people, when you go out public and you you do stuff like this and you, you talk about your spiders, you talk about what they you keep them in. A, I think I run the risk of people going, I'm going to do it exactly like you. And I never encourage that. If it's something, I do put stuff out there so that people that are worried about what their spiders are doing, like in a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about Xenthus species because I've had a lot of people contacting me. Apparently people are picking them up now and they're like, I'm so afraid I'm going to lose it. It's an expensive spider and they want to know exactly what I want to do. I do with mine because so far it's, I've been successful with them. They seem to be doing well and they want to make sure they want to emulate that so they can have some confidence, feel, you know, more secure about keeping them, that they're not going to lose them. And I completely understand that. But in the same token, I always encourage people, don't just listen to me. Look at what other people are doing. You start using your own you know, judgment when you start feeling a little more comfortable in the hobby. I don't put this stuff up there expecting people to copy me with every little thing I do. I've had people go, hey, I looked at your setup for, I don't know, say the Apolopus species Columbia Large, but I decided to change a couple things. That's awesome. I don't, don't feel like you have to copy me 100%. This is what's working for me, and I give it... I, I give this stuff to you guys as a reference of something like, all right, it's working for him. This could work for me. And then feel free to tweak stuff out as needed. So that's why I think the cage debate, like what is the best enclosure? And I, I'm sure people will try, chime in with stuff that they enjoy using. And please do, because I think people should know what's out there. If I were to nail it down to one thing, like if knee-jerk reaction, what is the best manufacturer of tarantula enclosures out there? I would go with Sterilite. There's something for every size tarantula. They're easily adapted to make them, you know, appropriate. You can you can put vents in them. I've seen people drill the holes. I've seen people use hole saws to cut holes and put vents in them. 
I've seen people take the tops or cut panels out of the side and glue clear plexiglass over it so they don't have that milky plastic. They have a clear viewing window. They are so adaptable to tarantulas. And there's literally, I will tell you right now, that any type of species I want to keep, fossorial, terrestrial, or arboreal, I can find an enclosure that I can easily adapt to something that will work beautifully for that species and be appropriate for it. So not the answer people want to hear. I'm sure people will debate, but they look so ugly. They're milky. I get it. I totally get it, which is why I'm trying to get some of mine into more clear enclosures now, because one of the things I want to do when we get the new room set up is be able to, as I'm talking about a spider, go over and have Billy be able to look at the actual enclosure sitting here on the shelf, nice and clear, hopefully see a spider in it. Totally get that. So please don't think I'm, you know... Being, saying that the expensive ones aren't worth it or you should avoid them. I'm not. But if it came down to like one brand knee-jerk reaction, Sterilite, the little plastic, they're, they're amazing. And I'm sure there are other ones out there. I'm sure folks in Europe have things that they go to. It's just, it comes down to what's going to be best for the tarantula. And that's one I can think of right off the bat that if I had to go, all right, stick with this. Somebody's brand new in the hobby goes, I just want to buy all bunch of stuff from one brand and, and make sure it's good for my tarantula. That's what I would pick. Now, granted, People that don't like those would go, well, but you have to do all the work and change and, you know, drill the holes and put everything in them. And people would obviously point to the fact that they aren't the most attractive enclosures out there. And again, makes sense. I totally get it. So somebody that's looking to put their tarantulas in something crystal clear and lovely, that wouldn't be for them. But that would be my knee-jerk reaction. But again, that is not my answer to the question because I honestly feel like it's up to you. I can't possibly know every container that's out there. We even have companies now that are starting to create enclosures just for tarantulas. I haven't picked any up yet. I forget which brand it is, but they have the ones that kind of lock together and you put the little rubber bands on. Personally, I'm not a fan of the look of them, but I will try some out, see what I think. I don't want to make a judgment until I actually have used one. And maybe that's just the start of companies recognizing that there is a market for tarantulas out there. Again, I don't know how much they know about them. Uh, (laughs) We all, even since I've been in the hobby, there's been so many changes in how we've kept certain species. The whole ventilation thing was a big move where we started realizing that these 10-gallon aquariums, you know, when we cover the top with saran wrap, we're creating death traps for some of these species. The fact that we need airflow, we recognize now airflow is a good thing even for moisture-dependent species. That's a big change. That's something that was different from when I picked up my first many, many years ago. So I think it will. Con- we will continue to find things that will work. Com- new companies will come out, even those little Herp Cult type ones with the magnets. That's a fairly new thing as far as I'm concerned. There's always going to be something new. The-, the hobby will continue to evolve. We will continue to find new and cool enclosures to use for our tarantulas. I don't think we should ever make it a black and white issue where these are the absolute best and these are the worst. I hate when I see things where people get bashed for using Sterilite containers and people go, those are terrible enclosures. No, they're not. They're good for the, they're great for the spiders. Knock it off. I've seen people with beautiful acrylic enclosures that look fantastic, but personally, I don't think they're the right fit for that species. It's all comes down to what's good for the spider. So I think with the number of different, you know, you have fossorial, arboreal, terrestrial, obviously you have different moisture dependent ones. You have arid species. It all depends on the spider. I don't think you can make a blanket statement. These are the best. You can have a preference. Everybody can have a preference. You can have your favorite, but I, I, and I could maybe someday we'll get to the point where I'll go, yep, these are my absolute favorite. I love this type of enclosure. I love this type of enclosure overall. That's great. That's my opinion. And that's my right to have one. But to say one is the absolute best, I just don't think it can be done. So those are my thoughts on that. Again, I I feel badly because I get that question a lot. And I also get people email and go, hey, I have a juvenile so-and-so. 
what should I use for enclosure? What type of things are out there? And it's like, if you look at my garage right now for juveniles, I probably have 25 to 30 different types of things I've used over the years. And many of them work perfectly fine. I've just gravitated off and found something I like better. I end up, I have a huge issue, and we'll get into this when I talk about the Xenthus species. I have a huge issue with finding something I really like, buying a few of them up, going back to buy more, and they're completely sold out and I can't find them anywhere. This happens to me all the time. So it's difficult sometimes for me to go, like I have these hinge top ones that I absolutely adore for my larger slings and I haven't been able to find them for a while. So just know it's get an idea, watch somebody, you know, if you go on YouTube, a lot of people go to YouTube to kind of get a visual for what they're doing, see what they're using, see what it offers for cross ventilation, see what it offers for depth. If you're into clarity and aesthetics, see if that's something you like. If it doesn't offer the cross ventilation, is it something that's easily altered? Can you get a drill or a Dremel tool and go and put some holes in there? Dremel tool is going to be your friend if you're getting in this hobby, especially with that hard plastic. The soldering irons are great for the softer Sterilite plastic. You can take it, adjust it. If you buy one that's a pre-made, beautiful enclosure you're spending a lot of money on, make sure that it has some of that cross ventilation. It should at least have some holes in the side, uh, some holes in the top work. Again, make sure whatever you're buying is right for the spider. And then give it a try. See how it works. Let people know. If it's something you really like, let people know about it. That's how a lot of us find our enclosures. We go and watch a video and we go, Ooh, those look really cool. And we'll try those out. So, but as far as coming down, like with my list of what the best enclosure is, I don't have one. I really don't. And if, if I was cornered on it, I, I would go down the Sterilite route only because they served me well for so many years. So many hobbyists have been using them for like 20 something years. My first, my G Rosea spent, I think the first 15 years I had her in a Sterilite shoebox. And she did perfectly fine, and now she's in a, uh, a Jamie's enclosure, and I don't think she really knows the difference, honestly. She still just sits there. So it for me, the Jamie's enclosure looks prettier, and when I put her in it, I, in my mind, was like, all right, you're getting rewarded with this beautiful, expensive enclosure for being my oldest tarantula. She doesn't care. So always remember, the spiders aren't going to care what it looks like. They're going to care whether it offers them what they need, and try not to get hung up on trying to find the best. Enjoy the hobby. One of the best parts of it is finding new enclosures. And don't be afraid that if you find something that doesn't work to take the spider out of it and put it in something else. That happens sometimes too. We've all been there where we pick something up we thought it was going to be great and then we realize not so much. All right, so moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about Xenestis, and I know I've been harping on these guys and talking about them a lot, so I apologize in advance. However, since getting that huge batch of them from first, I got the first one from Tom Patterson, second one, we, second several we got from Fear Not Tarantulas. They've become a favorite of mine, but what's happening is I'm putting these videos up of them. People are starting to buy them more. They're taking chances on them. They've kind of seen how cool they can be, but they're very expensive spiders, and then the panic sets in. So people get them, they've got them ordered, and then I get the frantic emails, Tom, I'm ordering Genestis Species Bright. I'm panicking. I'm going to kill it. Could you let me know how you keep yours? So I figured I've touched upon this a couple times when I've talked about them, but this time I'm I'm just going to share exactly what I've seen so far and be a little more specific with what I've got them in and the behavior. So I know we've just talked about them a bit, but I've tried to show this the last podcast to a few people and they're like, well, can you give me a newer update? So again, for those of you who don't care about Zenesta species, I apologize in advance, although I would encourage you at some point, if you're going to splurge on a spider, pick one of these guys up. They are amazing. And for those of you that are now picking them up, that are panicking because you're afraid they're you're going to lose them, I will tell you right off the bat, one thing I've noticed about mine is they are very, very sturdy spiders. They're very hardy, and I love that about them. They seem to be very lively, 
They're great eaters. They're fast growers. Basically, everything you would want in a spider that you're going to spend a lot of money for, upwards over $100. In some cases, people are picking up females that cost 300 bucks. So again, I want to make it very clear that I don't care how much if I spend $5 on a spider or $300 on a spider, I want them all to thrive in my care. So I want to make that clear that we're not just, I don't just give special attention to the expensive ones. I treat them all the exact same way. However, I do understand the thought process that goes on when you spend a certain amount of money or an extra large amount of money on a certain tarantula that you really don't want that to be a waste of two, three hundred dollars. I remember when I got my Harpacteria pulcropies back in the day. They were super expensive. It was the most expensive spider I've ever bought. And although I treated all my spiders the same, I was did not want to lose that spider partially because it costs a huge chunk of change. So I do get that part of it. So anyway, just to remind people, the species I currently have are these are species bright, species white, species blue, amanus, and intermedia. I found so far my general thought on the whole thing is they are voracious eaters, voracious hunters. They grow, they've been growing very quickly. Now, something to note when I picked mine up, it was like right around the beginning of the summer, I think. And the tarantula room this year, it was, it was a rather hot summer. And the tarantula room, although it rarely hits 80 degrees, spent quite a bit of time at 80, 81, 82. So depending on the shelf they were at, they were in the 80s. So they did have higher temperatures this summer than they sometimes, than my species sometimes do. I know I usually talk about the temperatures in my tarantula room running from about 72 to 75 in the wintertime, and then from about 75 to sometimes 80 in the summer. It was mostly toward the 80 and most of the summer. So that could account for some of the growth rate. But the growth rate on these guys has been spectacular. Not only do they molt frequently, but they seem to put on quite a bit of size with each molt. And that has kind of taken me by surprise because when I first rehoused some of these guys, I put them in enclosures that I thought was going to give them enough room to do some growing in. And it, I was proven completely wrong because they would molt once and all of a sudden the enclosure was a little bit stuffy. And this happened a few times with them. So to kick this one off, if you're picking up slings, one thing I wouldn't even bother with are vials. I don't think the vials are going to last. I mean, if you can fit one in a vial, great. Even if it's one of the big vials, but it's not going to be an appropriate size enclosure for very long. They're going to molt once, probably outgrow it. I would also, I don't know if I would start these in the 16-ounce deli cups. That's one that you tend to use for larger slings. It's kind of a, a cheaper alternative to some of the other ones out there. I mean, you can get them, they're very, very inexpensive. But the deli cups, I got a funny feeling. One of them would out, I guess the deli cup would probably hold it for a little while, but they're going to outgrow that rather quickly as well. So just a heads up that when you get these ones, if you get them as slings, they are going to grow quickly. And you're going to want to make sure you're prepared with an enclosure that gives them some room to grow. As it stands right now, some of the ones I've got will probably end up being rehoused four times before they hit adulthood because I started them in enclosures that were too small. So for example, I have these little Hobby Lobby cases. I don't know what's supposed to go in. They're kind of square, but they're stackable. They're four by four by three inches high or so. And I took my smaller slings, my Manus and my Species Blue, one of my smaller Species Blue ones, and had them in those two molts. They're completely oversized for the enclosures they're both getting rehoused i mean i actually thought these were going to last a little while and they're way too small for them i believe the amenis now is close to three inches across already and these things are only four inches across so that one will be getting rehoused very soon so right off the bat that was where i learned i mean, the, i put it in the enclosure we had a larger enclosure out and i'm like you know what this this larger enclosure looks too big for it i'm going to put it in this little four by four by three inch one which as far as centimeters i think that's 10 by 10 by 8 centimeters or so for folks that are doing centimeters and the metric system. So we 
Put them in that one. It, uh, both of them are too big for the enclosures right now. I also had one other one. I can't remember which one it was. One of the other ones I also had in one of those. Outgrew it within one malt, so I moved it into what are called the M-Design storage bins. There's, these are the little ones. They're 3.5 by 5 by 6.25 inches or so, which I believe is around 9 centimeters by 13 centimeters by 16 centimeters. Hopefully I got that one right. If I'm completely off, I apologize. And those are the ones with the hinge tops that I like. I bought a bunch of them, but I can't seem to find them anymore. But I moved one of them directly into one of those, and it gave it a little more room, which was great. Honestly, I should have started them all in those because it would have given them enough room to molt and put on some size until I put them in the juvenile enclosures. So I would say, honestly, that three by 3.5 by 5 by 6.25 one is probably where I should have started them all. It would have given them enough room. I probably would have gotten three or four molts out of that at least. Now, what I should mention is those three to four molts. I got three molts out of most of them during the course of the summer. I believe one of them's molted twice. The majority have molted three times. I think one of them's even molted four times over about a four-month period or so, five-month period. So they are really, they're molting frequently. They're putting out a lot of size. So again, it's going to be one of those tough ones where you never want to put a sling in an enclosure that's way too large and it's swimming in it, but trying to find one that is suitable for your little sling but will also be suitable for it six months down the road when it molts several times can be a little trickier. I find that the fast-growing ones can be tricky to try to peg down what exactly you should, what type of enclosure, what size of enclosure you should start them in. But I think if I were to do this again and start with, you know, third, fourth, in whatever the smaller slings I had, I would start them in those M design or something around that size. Now, I do have two of them in these, they're called Snapware Airtight Plastic Food Storage Containers. And they're about 12 inches by maybe 7 inches across by about 4 inches deep or so. And I have a couple of the larger ones in there. Those also offer, again, they're ones that you had the drill holes in and everything. I just tried to go buy some more on Amazon. And of course, they're out of them. They're not in stock, which has been the story of my life with enclosures. But those in particular, I think would be really nice. I, I don't know if I'd start a teeny tiny sling in it, but these guys have been voracious. So as long as you make sure the general, the idea is with smaller slings, you want to make sure that you can keep track of the sling and the sling can keep track of the food. These guys are active hunters. They don't just sit in their burrows. And that's something I've found kind of interesting with these as opposed to other species that I've kept. I have one that did some burrowing. I believe the species Bright actually did some burrowing underneath its, I gave them all cork bark hides, little starter burrows. She's actually used the burrow. She dug out underneath it and kind of sits in there. The rest of them all kind of wander around their enclosure. Like if I, I just went in there before doing this video to do some measurements of the enclosures. They were all, including her, they were, I hope her, they were all right out in the open, which I found neat. Now, I've spoken to other people. I obviously posted videos up on YouTube about them. And some people have commented that theirs have done quite a bit of digging and burrowing. I had somebody say that they had a six inch female. I believe it was species blue, but I could be wrong, but it actually has a deep burrow in the substrate. So I don't know. Mine haven't done burrowing yet, but that doesn't mean that's the norm. There could be a reason for that. Other people have reported theirs will do some burrowing. So just a heads up, but what I found is mine are kind of sitting out right in the open like a bold adult would. Like, for example, for Myctopus, I have for Myctopus species, some of them will do some burrowing. They hit a certain spot, and then all of a sudden they're brave. They sit right out in the open. They have no problem finding prey because they're always right out looking for it. I've, I'm seeing this from the Xenthus species much earlier on. You know, they're hitting that one and a half, two inches mark, and they're sitting right out in the open ready to hunt. So as 
back to my point about using a larger enclosure for them, I don't know if I'd feel so bad about putting them in an enclosure that I would usually reserve for an adult because the sling is going to probably be an active hunter. Worst case scenario, you put them in a larger enclosure, you give them a cork bark hide, you give them a little starter burrow, say the sling uses that starter burrow, then what you do is just drop the prey at them right in front of that burrow. That sling's going to grab it, no problem. You'll know it's it's eating, it's being fed well. You'll be perfectly fine. I found with mine, I could probably, I could put these ones I have now, the smaller ones, in a much bigger enclosure. Something tells me they're going to have no problem finding the food. As those roaches or crickets go running around that enclosure, they're eventually going to get close enough. And these guys, their hunting response is fantastic. I the biggest, I've now had, I would say, at least a dozen times, at least a dozen times, the... Xenthus species has snatched up the roach or cricket and ended up on its back. It does like a flying tackle where it rolls onto its back. It happens all the time with these guys. I believe we finally caught footage of it. Billy and I posted up a feeding video that featured some of my Xenthus species. And one of them finally did it in the video. I was dying to catch it on camera because it's just such a cool thing. They hit it with such ferocity that they actually roll over and tackle it and have it wrapped on their bellies as they're laying on their back. It's amazing. So although I usually encourage people to put slings in smaller enclosures, a little tighter enclosures to make sure you can keep track of them, this is one of those species that when I get more, and I will get more, I will probably start them in something larger, give them some room. They seem to be able to find things okay, the prey items okay, and I don't have a lot of worries that they won't find food and be able to grow appropriately. So that's something, that's the biggest takeaway I've got from these guys. Again, they were brand new to me. I'd never kept one before. The growth rate completely surprised me. It, it really took me off guard even more so than like, and I've kept therapy also before obviously for mictopus are known for their decent growth rate and putting on you know huge size especially with certain molts but these guys really took me off guard with the growth rate so there was a lot of scrambling and rehousings the good thing is another thing that should be mentioned i've rehoused a couple of them twice already and i've noticed that they don't they they'll eat right after a rehouse you have some species of spiders that you do a rehousing it takes them a while for them to set in they're doing stress curls in a corner they're not you know reacting to prey i've had situations where i put them in drop a prey at them in the prey at them walks right over top of them they don't react to it these guys you drop them in a new enclosure drop a prey at them in they're snatching it up they don't even care they they reset very very quickly so that's something to be aware of too if you do put one in a smaller enclosure and it outgrows it quickly i know people are like oh no i don't want to disturb it I don't see much of an issue. They adapt very quickly to their new surroundings. And they're again, they've been very bold. So you'll see them out prowling looking for food. Now, I do have one larger one that's probably close to four, three and a half, four inches now. And that's my female Xenthus species blue. I have her in a larger one. Again, one of the M design storage bins, the one that's meant for like high heel shoes. So it's a little taller. And that one is about 12 inches by 6.5 by 6.5 inches overall. Bigger enclosure, again, has that hinge top, crystal clear, I can see right through it. And that one's been doing fine in that enclosure. When I put her in it, she seemed to be a little bit too small for it. My bad, she's been perfectly fine. She's hunting. Right now, I went in there again to measure the enclosure, and she was right at the front, very bold, proud, sitting right there waiting for food. So there's been no issues. And that's what I will probably use in the future for the juvenile ones. When they hit about four inches or so, it'll probably be off to the adult enclosures, which at this point, they can get pretty hefty. So something around five to 10 gallons or so would probably suffice. You want some decent. Again, I've talked to people that said that their adults will do some burrowing. So I will give 
give them the opportunity and the substrate to do burrowing if they should want to. And I think that's important with all these guys. I do give them, going back to how we set up the enclosures, I do them give them enough substrate to burrow in. I do give them moist substrate, but I don't overdo it. I've heard that the Xenthus species blue come from a more arid area, so they don't necessarily need the high moisture content. But that said, I would not keep them dry, especially as slings. They might be adaptable as adults, but here's why I have three of them. Two of them did a little digging and kind of sit on the spot where I moistened down the substrate. One of them, I opened up the enclosure. I moistened down a corner like I usually do. let it run down in between the plastic and the dirt so it kind of sink to the bottom. And I noticed that when I came in there, she was parked right over that spot. So anytime I add moisture to an enclosure and I notice the spiders are kind of hovering around that area, to me, that indicates they appreciate that. Again, I know they come from an arid region, but especially in the wintertime when things start to get really, really dry, you want to make sure you give them the opportunity to find moisture if they need it. One way to do it, again, is to add the moisture in, you know, pour it down the sides of the enclosure so only the bottom layers are moist, so that gives them nice dry substrate up top, but as that moisture kind of evaporates in the air, it's going to raise the moisture level inside the enclosure, keep it from drying out too much. But I have, again, I do keep part of it moist. I don't overdo it, but I don't let it dry out in between. I also give them all water dishes. They're big enough as slings that you can drop the little bottle caps in there without worry. And I have caught them drinking out of them. And again, I only mention this because I had people come on one of my videos and tell me, you don't have to add any moisture to the species blue. They can keep them bone dry. I, again, I, I wouldn't advise that personally. It, it, you have to take into account how dry, I mean, if you're living in an area like say you're in Florida and it's usually, it's very humid there. You can probably get away with the dry substrate and a water dish, but I would definitely make sure a water dish is there. But I have seen signs that they will gravitate toward the moisture. So as far as I'm concerned, it, it doesn't hurt to have a moist corner in there just in case. If it's bone dry and the spider has nothing to drink and has a bad molt, then you have a situation where you might end up with a dead spider. So I don't want to play with that yet. I found that just about, it's funny when you talk about tarantulas, the majority of them benefit. Even some of the, the old world ones that people will say these are dry species, they'll appreciate some moisture. They will burrow, burrow to find moisture in their environments. So I just, I'm not a huge proponent of taking a chance, especially with slings. If you want adults, you might be able to get away with it. I will tell you, I will be monitoring as I continue to raise these guys to see if they seem to appreciate some moisture. Maybe I'll find like with my Formictibus, some of my Formictibus, as long as you have a water dish in there, it can be bone dry. They seem to do perfectly fine. They molt. They have no issues. We shall see. But again, with a spider, and I want to point out with a spider that you're probably spending a lot of money on, you want to make sure that it has that choice. So personally, I'm going to make sure they all have a little bit of moisture in a water dish until something shows me that they really don't. I'm not going to take that chance, but that's how I'm keeping them. I put a little moss in there. You can moisten up the moss, but I would be curious for those of you who do have them. I mean, again, this is my first bout with them, and this is why I normally don't like to do any type of care guides for stuff that I haven't raised to adulthood because a lot could happen between now and when these guys mature, but I have had a lot of people ask and I am just showing how I'm doing because hopefully the people that are picking them up, this will help them feel a little more confident about them. So nice, you know, moist substrate to start off. You can let it dry up a little bit, you know, some of it, the surface dry up, but keep those lower levels moist. Maybe give them a moist corner water dish. I threw some sphagnum moss in there. They all had cork bark hides and I gave them nice deep little starter burrows to begin with and hopefully to kind of encourage them to do some digging and they haven't really done a lot of that, but I would be, I'd love 
to hear for those of you who are picking them up, are you seeing differences in behaviors? Because I don't want people to think that this is the be all end all. This is my first go around at them. I could be doing something that's causing them to not burrow when they normally would. I don't know yet. We will have to see. So please chime in. This isn't me being, you know, authoritative and going, this is exactly what you should expect. This is what I'm seeing. These are my observations so far with mine. I've already had some people come on the comments and see that and say that they've seen some different behaviors on them. And I love, again, one of the reasons I do the Tom's Big Spider stuff, there's selfish motivation behind it as well, because I get feedback from all different people. It's not just me watching what goes on in my collection. I get to hear what other people are doing, how they're keeping them, what they're seeing as far as behaviors and growth rate. So don't feel like I'm putting this out there like I'm an expert on these. I am not. This is just my observations, and I'm hoping that you guys chime in with some of yours as well. Now, as far as feeding goes, I've been feeding like most of my slings. I feed mine twice a week. However, I found that these guys will take larger prey very early on. They're not just excellent hunters. They will take down stuff. I dropped in a large cricket by accident with one of the inch and a, she was probably about an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. And this was a big, large cricket. And this one wrestled this thing down. They were rolling around and subdued it and ate it. And that's all she really needed. And then she molted again like two weeks later. So just know that if you're feeding them larger prey items, you do not need to feed them as often. And these are, for the most part, I've found that they will take larger prey items. Most of them, you know, I've had spiders that you drop in larger items when they're smaller and they get startled by them and they're afraid of them. They don't want to expend the energy. I don't know. It might be something in them that tells them this one's a bit too big and I could get hurt. I don't know what it is, but I've had some that will avoid the larger prey items. Not so with the Xenthus species so far. They will take, you know, I'm feeding mostly large adult crickets to these guys now and I haven't had them all that long. That's kind of crazy. So know that you could get away with feeding them once a week. You might get away with feeding them once a molt cycle if you drop something in that's big enough because they're going to fill up on that and that's going to be it. That's what happened with the one I dropped in the large cricket. It took her like 24 hours to consume it. She was in pre-molt and molted not, you know, it was probably two or three weeks after that or so. So they are great eaters. I did notice that the ones that are in the smaller enclosures, and this is a heads up, that when you dropped in prey items, they got spooked a little more. I don't think there was... The problem is when you have them in a smaller enclosure and they're just sitting there and they're kind of in standby mode and you drop a prey item in, it's very easy for the prey item to take them by surprise and you watch the spider all of a sudden try to cower in a corner because it doesn't know what's happening. And I've had that happen. So if you give them a decent enough room where they can hide and feel confident, they will take down the larger prey items no problem. Again, molts have been very consistent, but my temperatures have been a little bit higher. I will be keeping track of what happens now that we're getting close to wintertime. It's starting to cool down a bit and, you know, outside it's starting to cool down in the tarantula room and we will start to see if the growth rate decreases any. They're also getting larger. So a lot of, I found with some spiders, the smaller ones they put on like, especially I'm thinking of from Myctopus, they put on a lot of size early on until they hit about that four or five inch mark and then it slows way down. So we'll see what happens with these guys. I've been told that they continue to put on size as they get older. They're, they're a fast growing species. So we'll see how it goes. So I'm trying to think of anything. So the temperatures now, the, the interesting thing will be, we'll be moving hopefully within the next month and the new tarantula room, it's a larger room. So I'm not going to be able to, the room we got them in now, the good thing about it, it's smaller. So it's easier to raise the temperature up there. This one's going to have its own thermostat and we'll probably have it set like 74 or so. So it's going to be pretty consistent temperature wise compared to this room now that's a lot hotter that the top shelves tend to get like 70 you know they can get a little higher during the winter when the heat goes on but the bottom shelves are cooler we'll have to see how it goes but it is going to be a little cooler and i suspect that the growth rates will slow down a little bit but obviously i will continue keeping people up there because this has been 
I'm getting a lot of questions on these guys. And again, I do think it's because of the investment that's involved. A lot of people, and I admitted that I didn't pick these guys up for many, many, many years because they're so expensive and I just didn't want to pick something up that I end up getting going, why did I spend so much money on this? It's, it's, it's mean as that sounds. I didn't want to get a spider, spend several hundred dollars on it and then have go, Oh, this is it, huh? And I should know better because I, I don't think I've honestly kept a spider that I didn't enjoy and appreciate. So it's it just, it's, it's a huge investment for these guys. And I understand that I put this video up and I almost felt like I had to apologize because I got a bunch of them and it's like, Oh, look at Tom's bragging about all the spiders. And it wasn't that at all. It was just, if Billy hadn't picked these up, I wouldn't have got them. It was a gift from her. If it wasn't for her buying them for me, who knows? I might might still not have any. I'd be missing out because they are amazing spiders. And if you're somebody out there right now that's on the fence with these going, I really don't know if I want to spend this much. I get it. Again, that was me. I will tell you they're totally worth it. They're just amazing. And even as adults, they're just beautiful spiders, big, leggy, thick spiders. So that's how I'm keeping them so far. Again, just to recap quickly because I know I talk fast. Temps have been in the 70s to 80 degrees or so. I would encourage you, anybody getting slings or any size, start them in something bigger that you normally would start a spider in in that size. That's probably the biggest takeaway for this. Give them some extra room. If you give them what seems to be a lot of extra room, just make sure they have a place to hide. Maybe put a couple hides in there, a water dish, and just make sure it can find the prey. I don't think it'll be an issue overall because they seem to be very active hunters. They're great eaters, amazing eaters. Please chime in if you've seen what I'm talking about with them flipping over on their backs. I, I can't just be me because it's happened with a bunch of the different, I, you know, five different species of them and they're all have done it at one point or another. They grow quickly. They will take larger prey items. So don't be surprised if you drop in a larger prey item and it takes the spider a whole day to eat it. Don't be surprised if they go into pre-molt right after that. Don't be surprised because they're such big eaters if it eats that whole thing and still eats again. That's something that could be mentioned. But mine have been growing quickly putting on a lot of size they're hardy they're out in the open which is great because some of them are finally getting some of that purple on their carapace my blues are starting to get a blue tone to their legs and the other thing is they are fast and that needs to be stated one of my videos out there i forgot to mention this you can see me going to put the top on the enclosure and the spider teleports there's no other way to describe it. we talk about teleporting spiders in the hobby it went from it, it jumped about a six inch gap and uh, you can't even play it back if you slow down the thing it literally goes from like one frame to the next it's over here and then five six inches away it's over there in a blink of an eye they move super fast but i haven't had any problems with them bolting or running which is great so this is so far what i've seen is when i open that enclosure they kind of sit there bold like feed me i drop in a prey item they eat the prey item they're fine the only time i almost had one start to get out is the prey item went to make a break for the side of the enclosure and the spider kind of came up over the side of the enclosure after it but then i dropped another prey item and it went right after that it was fine so but do be aware they are quick they are leggy and with those long life legs come speed so that's something to be aware of but not something to be intimidated of or intimidated by and that i want to make that very clear they're fast be aware of it but not ones that i really worry about bolting out of their enclosures so awesome and, and here's the deal if you're gonna spend if, you, if you're going to spend that much money on a spider you want to make sure that the spider you're going to feel comfortable taking care of it that it, they're going to do well in your care that they're not going to be one of these species that's very tricky to take care of i am not finding these guys to be particularly tricky to take care of at all i find actually the care to be rather easy overall a little moisture water dish hide lots of food 
You get good growth rate. You get a spider that's going to work its way right out of that supposed more delicate sling stage until you have a beefy juvenile on your hand and you can kind of relax a little bit and know that you didn't just waste a lot of money on a spider that wasn't going to thrive in your care. I think this is one of these species that so far, you know, knock on wood, They've been so hardy and easy to take care of that if it wasn't for the fact they were so pricey, they were it's a species that might make it onto a beginner list on the higher end. I know there's some people that are going to go, wait a minute. They obviously get big and that can be intimidating. But for somebody that's you know looking for one on the higher end of the beginner scale, this would be one that, were they not so expensive, I might go, hey, if you're looking for something pretty and a little more difficult, you know, around like a para, El Parahibana or something of that nature, these guys are pretty cool. So that's my update on those. Hopefully that helps some people feel a little more confident they're picking them up. Hopefully if there are people that are on the fence with these guys because, of, again, the price, and I know I keep mentioning it, but it, it has to be mentioned. There's always somebody that I put one of these up there and I mention the price and somebody will go look it up and go, man, these are really expensive. Yep, that's kind of been the theme of this one. But for somebody that's on the fence that you're looking for that, you know, and we all do it. We want that one spider that we can have in our collection. Go, yeah, I got one of those. It's a good, it's a good buy. They're, you know, again, they're gorgeous spiders when they get older. They're going to grow quickly. You're going to have, they look good no matter what stage you are. The slings look cool. The juveniles look cool. The adults look cool. They're an awesome spider. So are they worth the money? For me, I would say, yes, they are worth the money. Some may disagree. Some may buy them and go, yeah, you know what? I don't, I get the same thing from a Theraphosa species, which is much less expensive, or even a Formictopus or a Pamphibedia species. I totally get it. But for me, they've been more than, more than worth it. Of course, I'm not the one that spent the money Billy was, but if if it had been my money, I'd be perfectly happy with my purchase. All right, so that should do it for this one. I won't be talking about Zenthus for, I know it seems like I'm talking about them a lot, but I think when I put that video up, a lot of people looked at them, saw them, heard what I was saying about them and thought, hey, maybe I'll take a chance on these. So I kind of feel responsible in keeping people updated more so than I normally would with other species because if they saw it in my video and are thinking about it or pick one up, I want to make sure they feel comfortable with the purchase. So again, we'll, we'll stray off of those. I'm thinking we're going to talk about some Pamphibedias coming up because I've been getting a lot of questions about Pamphos and they're, again, another species that's gorgeous and very easy to keep. So we'll do some talking about them in the future. But that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on timesofexposures.com on YouTube where I haven't posted a video in a month. I need to get on that. But again, we're in a holding pattern. I, I, all my stuff's packed up. Like most of my green screen stuff I packed up. It, the house is a dump right now because we're like half moved and it's just like I don't – and plus work. I've The new job has been taking up a lot of time. So I just haven't had the energy to park in front of the computer and do the editing. But I'm rearing to go. I've been writing scripts. I've been writing ideas out for them. We got some cool stuff that's coming. But it just might be a little while longer. I do have some videos I will probably put together to just get something up because I think people are freaking out that I'm not going to come back. And I will. It's just – it's been a very busy time and I want to make sure that when we start up again that I'm able to do what I've been wanting to do with it. So those are coming. Obviously got the website. As always, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you all next time.